Thanks, Sherry, and hello and welcome. Um, as has been mentioned, this is week one in a series we're doing throughout January called Come To Me. Have you got that slide there, Steve, you could pop up? I, I didn't put it in the pack, but yeah, there it is. Um, and um, this week we're going to look at the concept of being thirsty. Um, so over the next four Sundays, and this is we did a similar thing last January as well, over the next four Sundays we're going to be looking at different ways in which Jesus puts out the invitation to come to him. Different ways each week. Um, And so therefore each week I want to put out a genuine opportunity for anyone who's here among us to come to Jesus. Um, Which could could look like a number of different types of things. And and the way I'll do that, in case some of you are a little bit concerned, you think, what's he going to make me do? Am I going to have to come down the front? Am I going to have to put my hand up? No, I'll save some space at the end of each of the messages um, for you to pray. And come to Jesus and, and, and I'll lead you in that prayer. Um, so you can, you can just have that in mind that that's going to happen at the end of each of the sermons throughout January, particularly a moment inviting people to respond to Jesus' invitation. And, um, and, and I want to ask you to consider how you might be able to respond to what Jesus is saying and also be thinking, oh wow, who, who should I have brought with me this week? Who, who could I invite to come with me next week? Who needs to consider this invitation? Um, in the various forms that Jesus puts it out there. And, and we do that with confidence, you know, every week in a sense, but particularly throughout January here, we do it with confidence to put Jesus' invitation out there because we believe he's alive and well and among us and um, at work in calling people just like you and me to come to him, some for the very first time, um, others to come to him again and again or to come to him afresh. Um, This is for you, Jesus is real, and his invitation comes to us. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about how you can respond. Um, And maybe you're here today and and you might be aware that there's already something that's been stirring in you, positioning you in a place where you're ready to respond to Jesus in a way that you haven't before. And if, if that's what's been happening for you, maybe only you can recognise what's going on for you, then um, just, just, just notice that and take that into account as you hear what's coming for you this week from his word. Um, it could very well be that Jesus is drawing you to come and to come for the first time or to come back after a long time or to come for the hundredth time. <laughs> And, and for many of you, you you'll, you'll feel like this in your Christian life, is that your life has been a year after year of just continually coming to Jesus. So, and, and maybe that's what needs to happen again in this moment. Um, and I encourage you to be open to that. Yep. So let's embrace this opportunity over January um, to ourselves be coming to Jesus and to be thinking, who needs to be here to respond to Jesus' invitation? And prayerfully aiming to invite people to come along with us. Um, the four ways in which Jesus puts out the invitation and that we're going to look at over these four weeks is this. This week, week one, Jesus will say, are you thirsty? Well, come to me. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus saying, are you weary? <laughs> well, most of us are weary. Um, will you come? Third week, are you feeling unworthy? Will you come? And the fourth week, are you feeling insecure? Come. 
So that's what we're going to look at each week. So you can keep that in mind as we tick through these weeks. And there might be particular weeks that you really kind of zone in on because you're like, wow, that's exactly how I'm feeling. And I need to receive Jesus' invitation in that way. So there's where we're going to go over the next few weeks. But we're starting this week with the concept of thirst. So I don't know if you brought your water bottle with you to church this week, um, if you're a bit of a water bottle carrying person. But... um, uh, we're going to talk about water, and we're going to talk about thirst a fair bit, so you're probably going to be feeling thirsty. So if you've got your water bottle, you'll be, you'll be glad that you brought it. Um, on my day off um, over the last couple of months, um, I've, I've often used it to do a bit of building work down in the back shed, and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine named Pete Brown, would come and help me do that work. In fact, really, he did all the work. I'm just there passing tools, you know, like a good assistant to him, and learning a few little skills along the way. Um, But as Pete would be among the work, I would be passing him tools and more often than not, just trying to ask him if he would like me to go and make him a coffee or something like that. I love making people coffee. So I I would ask him multiple times a day, Pete, want a coffee? Um, And almost every time I'd ask him, you want a coffee, he'd go, he'd mumble because he mumbles a bit. You might know Pete, he'd be like, Jimmy, water, you know, get me water. And I'm like, all right. So I go and I get a glass of water and I cold water and I bring it to him and I just watched him every time it was fascinating he would just he he just gets the water and he just starts glugging it the whole thing and then he finishes it with like a big and then he just points it back at me and points to it again and like another one just give me water (laughs) it's like it's just it's a funny thing isn't it to watch someone drink water but I'm just fascinated by watching him watching a thirsty man who knows how to work you know I've been I've been you know working at a indoors most of my life so I don't really understand this hard work outdoors business but you get thirsty Um, now you know what it's like to be thirsty don't you and to really feel thirsty and to really want to drink water. Um, Although not everyone recognises thirst. Sometimes you might recognise a discomfort, but you you think, well, I just need to eat hot chips or I need to fix the problem some other way and you don't think to drink water. Apparently, what we're meant to do whenever you feel some kind of discomfort is start with a glass of water and give it a few minutes and then you might find that was just it. You didn't need to eat. You just need to drink water. Um, Some people are better at recognising thirst than others. But the bigger question, obviously, we want to look at today is the concept of a deeper thirst. Because this is what Jesus talks to us about. You know, of course, there's a physical thirst and you recognise that. But Jesus talks about a deeper thirst, a thirst that's beyond the physical, that's this deep down thirst for life. And I want to ask you, do you recognise your deeper thirst? Because you may not easily recognise it, but it's there. You, You are thirsty for life, let me tell you. We all are. We've all got real deep longings and deep desires for life in slightly different ways, but it's there. It might be that you're like, you want a good life. You do, because when life goes poorly for you, you, you know that's not how it's meant to go and you, you might whinge or you might complain or you might feel disheartened, but it's because you want a good life. You know, we want life to be, maybe some of us, we want it to be enjoyable. You want it to be worthwhile. You want your life to be significant. And, and we usually have real kind of struggling moments when that's not happening for us. 
Jesus would call that your thirst. Like a thirst, a deep thirst for life. Yeah? And so we get these words in John chapter 7, which is not the passage we just read. We will come back to chapter 6 in a minute. But um, in John, if you've got your Bible open, you might just want to flick over a page and look at John chapter 7. I, I do have a slide for this as well. And just by the way, throughout January, we, we will have the passage printed on the back of the handout. Um, and also we'll be having it up on the screen as well anticipating that there may likely be those among us who are very new to these things and don't have Bibles to bring along. But if you've got your Bible, keep bringing it. But it will be available as well, just in January, on the handout. But look at, look at how Jesus speaks. Here's the context. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, we'll come back to that festival in just a minute, but Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. So there's the invitation. Jesus says, are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. Now Jesus is not talking about just a physical thirst there. He's not just a dealer in bottled water at this festival, calling out to people, come and get the best bottled water from him. No, no, he's talking about drinking something different. He's talking about an offering that's going to quench a thirst that's deeper than just a physical thirst. And this is the invitation that he puts out there. Have you seen Jesus' invitation? to come to him and drink. And I love how Jesus uses like an obvious physical need concept like thirst and, and uses it as a connection point to speak to people about the deeper things, the real spiritual realities that are bubbling away beneath the surface. And here Jesus is offering a special kind of drink that's actually going to quench your deeper thirst and can quench it forever. So in chapter 6, from the passage we read, and I've got the slide for this as well, it's chapter 6, verse 35, you pick up on the fact that uh, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, you'll never be thirsty. How's that for a promise? This is not come to me and you'll get your thirst quenched for a little bit, and, and then, but then you'll need to keep doing it constantly. Jesus says, you'll never be thirsty. That's a huge promise. Whatever this is that Jesus is offering when you come to him, can quench your thirst permanently. Your, your thirst for life, your deep down desire for good life, for satisfaction, for contentment, for, for significance, that can be quenched permanently. That's a pretty huge promise. And so I want to ask you right up front, are you tired of hunting, for, hunting to quench your thirst for life in the same earthly things again and again and again? Are you a bit tired of that? Have you been looking back over 2023 at all the ways in which you hunted to have your deep thirst quenched and you're like, I don't want to keep doing that? Yeah? Well, you're invited to come to Jesus and see what it is he has to offer that can quench your deep down thirst. So let's think together about this invitation that Jesus offers. And I want to start by acknowledging the context that the invitation comes in. So you, you'll notice from that first slide, if you can just flick back one, Steve, to the John 7 thing, here's the context that Jesus puts the invitation out there. He's at a festival. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival. Now, so what is this festival? So just a little bit of background here. It's important to catch because it helps us understand the significance of water even more so. 
So this is the festival, the Tabernacles. It's one of the big three Jewish festivals in any calendar year where Jews far and wide would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for a week-long festival which would effectively function as a holiday. They would have these three holidays in the year but their holiday was not going camping elsewhere. Their holiday was to camp together and worship God together. This is the way God's people have had their holidays for many years. And they would come to Jerusalem. Um, this is one of the big three. And, and this festival the festival of the, was called the Festival of the Tabernacles, or also called the Festival of the Booths. Have you heard of the Festival of the Booths? It's, it's worth understanding. Everyone would, everyone would come to Jerusalem and build a booth, which is like a temporary structure or shelter, like a shanty, and everyone would camp out under their booth for a whole week long while they enjoyed this festival together in Jerusalem. Can you picture it? The whole of Jerusalem would have turned into a full-on shanty town. And the reason why they built these booths or these temporary structures is not because there weren't other places to stay. It's because they wanted to live in the reality that reminded them of what God's people did prior when they were in the wilderness. So this festival was attempting to remember Israel's wandering in the wilderness where they needed to live in tents every day. And, 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 and it particularly focused on God's ability to provide for them while they were wandering in the wilderness. And what was one of the key ways that God provided for his people while they were wandering in the wilderness? Water. Because there's no water in the wilderness. And so one of the most spectacular things God did to provide for his people was to allow water to appear. Water actually came out of a rock and allowed God's people to drink and be provided for the whole time that they wandered in the wilderness. It's absolutely spectacular. So they build these booths, remember their time in the wilderness, and particularly one of the key symbols of the festival was to remember the water that God provided to satisfy them. So here's what used to happen every day, and maybe you've heard this before, but each of the seven days the priest would come out at the temple, and everyone would gather to watch this happen, and it happened every day. The priest would come out with a golden pitcher or a golden jug, and then he would do this cool little walk down to the pool of Siloam, and he would scoop the water out of the pool of Siloam, and then he would walk back up, and he'd walk particularly through the water gate into the temple. And then when he got into the temple, he would come right up to the altar of the temple and he would pour the water out onto the altar in such a way that it would flow from the altar down this channeled stream out towards the crowd of the people. And all the people, when they saw the water flowing towards them from the altar in the middle of the temple, they would just lose their chops every morning and they would start celebrating and singing. And if you go to Isaiah chapter 12, you'll see the song that they sang and the song says with joy we draw water from the wells of salvation and they would sing all kinds of songs which would celebrate God's ability to sustain them by providing water for them and the fact that the water came from the altar from the center of the temple it's all symbolic God's the one who provides water and water is the symbol of life in the ancient world. So this happens day after day after day. So when Jesus stands on the final day of the festival, after everyone's been celebrating water and God's ability to provide water to sustain life all week long, and then he stands up on the final day and goes, hey, anyone thirsty? Everyone's thirsty. 
Everyone's focused on water. Come to me and drink, he says. This is a pretty huge moment in history. People have always seen that God is the one who provides life by sustaining water, like living water. That's where it comes from. And now here's this bloke, Jesus, standing up at the festival saying, come to me and drink. This is pretty huge. It's a pretty massive thing for Jesus to say. Can you catch what he's, can you catch the context? Now, in addition to that context of this temple, there's, there's, the, um, there's, the, there's the ancient world concept of water, which was always alive and well in their minds that we can miss a little bit in the modern world. We don't value water in the same way. So let me just give you a little glimpse into that. In the ancient world, water was the symbol of life. Without water, you cannot live. And so local communities would actually form around a, a, like a well or a, um, a spring because that's the only way you could get a local township to function is if it gathered around water. You've got to stay close to the well because that's where life can be lived. Now, in, in our modern world, and particularly in the West and developed world, we can pipe water from hundreds of kilometres away. So we can build cities in the silliest places, like in the middle of deserts. You know, we can, we can pipe water in, but in the ancient world, they no, 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 we just live around the water sources. And so water was seen really clearly as the very source of life. Yeah? And so it's no doubt... It's, it's no wonder why God uses this symbol of water to speak about what he provides. And you actually see that when you look back through the scriptures and look at the way water is used and the way God speaks about water to his people. He, he's always trying to direct them to see that he is the source of life. And he uses this symbol. So let me just give you a couple of passages from the Old Testament where you see that. So here's Ezekiel chapter 47. Um, Ezekiel gets his vision and it's in regards to the temple and the temple is always symbolic of the very presence of God himself yep and he says at the entrance to the temple I saw water coming out and from under the threshold of the temple yeah this is rivers of water flow from God the temple being the symbol of the presence of God Revelation chapter 22 you get really similar imagery. I saw the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God down the middle of the great city. So that water comes from God. He is the source of life. Isaiah 55, you get this invitation, which Jesus is basically copying. Um, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Yeah? Come to God, the source of life. And, and, and this, that's just a little glimpse. You see the concept, the symbol of water being used time and time again through the scriptures for God to speak about himself and that this is the place where life comes from. So carry that with you. Carry, carry that imagery with you and the context of this festival of the tabernacles going on all into this moment where Jesus stands and says, Are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. Yep. So we might even go back to that first slide, Steve, if you can. That, yeah, John 7 on the lay. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. Yeah. This is Jesus clearly standing up and saying, I am the source of life, actually. I'm not just a teacher, not just a prophet. I am God, God the Son. And so he stands and publicly declares that. This, this is Jesus standing in history here is God among us. 
He's holding out life, real life, eternal life. But the question remains, what does it mean then to come to Jesus and drink? Like literally, what is that? It kind of sounds nice. But how do you, what does it look like for a person to come to Jesus and to drink whatever he's offering and have their thirst quenched? Well, he goes on in chapter 7. Sorry, I'll get you to skip back to where we were, Steve, and there's a little bit more there. Jesus goes on to say, whoever believes in me. And, and, and what he means by that is, to come to me is to believe in me. So if you want to come to Jesus and drink, here's what it looks like. It is to believe. Now, sometimes the word belief can be thrown around in a really light kind of way. And, and, it can, and, and, and you might even think, or many people around us might think, yeah, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus. And, and there are many people who would say, yeah, yeah I'm a, I believe Jesus existed. I believe he did some cool things, said some cool things. Great guy, made some great changes in the world. There's people who might say that. But, but when Jesus says, come to me and drink, and he uses this word believe, he's talking about something huge, actually. Belief in Jesus is, is massive. It's, it's life-encompassing. It's life-arresting. It's life-consuming to believe in Jesus. What it ultimately means is this. Believe in Jesus' work on the cross. The, the big thing Jesus came to do was to go to the cross. So to be a believer in Jesus' work on the cross, that's massive. Because if you're going to believe in what Jesus did on the cross, that means accepting you needed Jesus to do that on the cross for you, which means believing and accepting that you were desperately in need of rescue because of your sin and the judgment that you deserve for your sin. This is all encompassed in true, genuine belief in Jesus. You first start by acknowledging your sin. And then you see that what God has done, the only way for salvation to be provided for you, for forgiveness to be provided for you, is that God would need to come and actually die in your place, bearing your sin in his body on the cross and shedding his blood. That's huge. That says your sin's very serious and that God is very merciful to come and do that for you. And Jesus really dies with our sin. And three days later rises again to show that he had the victory over your sin and the judgment you deserve for your sin and turns to a broken humanity and says, here's the invitation, forgiveness. It's on offer. Genuine forgiveness on offer. So you can be restored back into relationship with the God who made you and loves you. So I want to put to you today, have you, do you believe in Jesus? That's the big question we've got to continually ask you know do you really believe in Jesus? do you believe all of that because that's pretty massive to get to a point where you are ready to accept Jesus in that way and all that he's done for you on the cross is huge and that's what he means when he says come to me and drink that's what Jesus means when he says are you thirsty the kind of thirst he's talking about there is are you thirsty to have your sin forgiven are you feeling the dehydration of a, of a, of a strained relationship with God? Are, are you picking up on the, the fact that there's something wrong that needs fixing? Are you thirsty? Because if you're thirsty, if you're really thirsty, you, just, you come to me and drink. 
and I will quench that thirst. So that's what Jesus means. It's not just to come close and feel good about yourself. It's, it's, it's to see your sin, accept the work of the cross, receive forgiveness, get restored into relationship and then stay in relationship with the, the living water, the source of life. Now, now, many of you here this morning, you're kind of looking at me going, yeah, Tim, I've done it. You know, I did it years ago or I did it recently and that's me. I've come to be a believer in Jesus and if that's the case, then, then this is for you. If you believe in Jesus, if you've come and, and you have drunk from what Jesus offers, then here's for you, keep drinking, yeah? And, and I'll describe it like this, stay close to the, the living water. Stay close to the well, the source of life. Don't wander from him. Stay with him. Don't just tick the box of belief and then go and get on with your life. Keep drinking deeply. And this is one of the hearts of what we hope that God would do among us by his spirit over the years, that we would be a family that just keeps drinking deeply from the well and we grow stronger in our affections and our devotion for Jesus and grow more aware of our dependence in Jesus, all that as the years go by. But I want to ask you that question. Are you drinking deeply? Do you draw near daily to the well? Is your love and delight for the source of life growing? Is that what's been happening for you? In the same way that you wouldn't go a day without drinking water or some type of water-like substance, like tea or I don't know what you drink, but you wouldn't go a day, you certainly wouldn't go a week without drinking because you die. Do you go a day? Do you go a couple of... Do you go a week without drinking deeply from the living water, drawing near to the well, allowing Jesus to sustain you by his word? Is, I've had an image in my mind that's really helped me for the last bunch of years and um, it's, it's, it's the image of a well where the source of life, Jesus, is and a picture of what, how I want to live. And I picture myself like this. Maybe I've told you this before, but it's, it's a, a big comfy chair or just a chair that I drag up alongside the well and I plonk myself there with one arm up on the well and the other arm scooping into the well, drawing the water out and continually drinking from it while I'm interacting with people and attempting to live and attempting to deal with stress and anxiety and all the things we've got coming. As I'm doing, as I'm trying to live, as you're trying to live, I'm just drinking because I know this is what's going to sustain me. And that's how I want to live. I want to live close to the well. And I want to ask you this morning, if you're thinking about your Christian life and you might be able to acknowledge right now, or oh, I'm feeling a bit dry, you might be able to acknowledge that you, what's, what's gone on for you is you're a bit dehydrated spiritually. And if you're dehydrated spiritually, it's probably because you haven't been drinking from the well of the living water regularly like you're designed to do. And if you're dehydrated spiritually you'll be feeling pretty terrible about a bunch of things and you'll be tempted to blame a bunch of things. Here's what I'm tempted to blame. I'm usually tempted to blame the people around me for being scumbags or whatever, you know. People are doing things and they're not, I don't, I don't know, I'll blame the people around me. You might start blaming, I don't know, your church community for not being what you think they should be. You can start blaming God as though he's wandered from you 
Why is God so far away from me? What's going on? Is he, what, what? But can I, just, can I suggest to you, what, if you're spiritually dehydrated, here is what has most likely happened. The well hasn't got up and wandered away. And the well has not dried up. You have likely, and I'm guessing, you have likely wandered from the well a bit and started to drink elsewhere. And I, and I say most likely because this appears to be a pretty common issue with God's people right through history is that we tend to want to drink in many places. We, we, we tend to want to find life and think life can be found in many places. And the picture is like drinking in many places. I say that because this is what you see as a pattern for God's people and maybe that's what you're stuck in at the moment and it's worth noticing it and seeing it. Have a look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. I'll pop it up on the screen. You will have maybe seen this passage before. Here's God through the prophet Jeremiah speaking to his own people about what they're doing. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water. So they've moved away from the spring. And they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So they've gone looking to drink from other wells, but they're broken wells. They're not wells that are going to hold good water. They're not wells that are going to sustain their life, and they've wandered away from the living water. It's, a, it's, 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 it's God telling these people what they've been up to. Now, these broken cisterns, by the way, if you think about other places where you can drink, meaning other places where you seek life that would sustain you, Chances are they're not bad things. They're not evil in and of themselves. They're, many of them will be good things, but they're not God. And there's the problem. They're, they're the created things. They're not the creator. And that's the problem. God gives us many good things. All good things come from God, but they in themselves are not the source of life. God is the source of life. All good things that he brings you in your life are meant to help direct you back to him that you would thank him and praise him and, and be grateful for him. Yeah? And can I mention a couple of the wells that we tend to want to drink from and see as the source of life that is actually going to sustain us? Here's a couple of the wells that you might be drinking from or desiring to drink from because everyone drinks from these wells and they do not sustain. It might be you're thinking, if I finally find that ultimate job that's the perfect fit for me, but I want to tell you, the ultimate job will not quench you. You might be thinking, oh, it's the, when I finally find that soulmate who completes me, no, 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 they will not quench your thirst completely. If I finally find real friends who care for me, you know, and I can depend on them, that won't quench you. All these things are good things, but they're not the source of life. Yeah? A really healthy, good-looking body where you feel great all year long. Yeah, that actually won't quench your thirst for life either. Secure finances where you've got backup funding. for it. Even that won't be the quenching that you're looking for. The classic one that most Christians just go for, and it's, it, and it's a good thing, it's, it's stable family that you get to maybe create yourself. And maybe it's the one that you never got to experience. It's a better version of what you grew up in. You're trying to find... Even if you get that, 
even if you somehow pull off that in some way, a beautiful, stable, lovely family, that will not quench your thirst for life. It's not the source of life. It can be a wonderful good gift that the Lord gives, but it's a, it's a well that's like a broken cistern in a sense. What, what is your default well that you go to drink from to get life? Because we've all got them. Are you tired of hunting to quench your thirst for life in the same old earthly things again and again? Come back to the living water and and spend your life drinking there. Being involved in many things, enjoying God's good gifts in many ways, but drinking from the source. Yeah. And you know what's going to um, help you? What is going to help me? to drink deeply, constantly, from the spring of living water, is, is to be encouraged that as you first come to Jesus and believe in him, here's, the, here's what's described for us, the well actually comes to live in you. It's, it's insane. It's, it's amazing. So I, th- I think we've got another slide there, Steve, where you get a bit of verse 38. Jesus goes on. Yeah, look at this. So start at the top again. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit. So here's the amazing thing about coming to Jesus to drink, is that a well of living water can begin to flow from within you. That's amazing. Yeah? And, 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 and just in case we're confused about what that could be, you know, John gives us a bit of commentary there about what Jesus meant. And what he meant by that is the Spirit. So as you come to believe in Jesus, Jesus' his Spirit comes to live in you, and that's like a well that springs up within you of living water that will flow from you. So you can be encouraged as you attempt to stay by the well and drink from the well. You can be encouraged that actually what's happening is the wells have come to live in you. Be encouraged that this is going to be possible. Jesus has come to take up residence by his spirit in you. A spring of life is created in you, which means you don't have to just get quenched once, but this is an endless supply of life and quenching as Jesus lives in us. What an incredible gift. Because it's possible to sit here this morning and hear most of what I've said and think, all right, I've just got to, it's all about what I do. It's all about how I've got to keep pulling my camp chair up to the well. And in some sense, you are responsible to stay close to Jesus, yeah? But it's not simply you in your own strength and your own effort, praise the Lord, you know? Where would we be if this was just us and our attempts to stay close to him. The amazing thing is he comes and stays close to us. So that wherever you go and whatever you do, do, the well comes with you into that situation. The life source is in you. The spring comes up within you. Which, you know, just to reflect on, that's so good for you and that's so good for others around you, isn't it? Good for you and good for others. And I'll finish on these two things. Um, To have the spring inside of you means there's hope that genuine fruit and health can be produced 
that you can grow from where you are. You can keep repenting of sin, that there can be real change and you can stay close to Jesus. It's hope that with whatever hardships might be coming your way in 2024, that you will be able to cling to Jesus and persevere in your faith with him. Whatever hardship comes to you for the rest of your life, because he is now in you and the spring of living water is welling up from within you, you'll be able to hang in there. He will hold you and enable you to continue to believe. Yeah? This well comes up in us and it's the spirit and it's the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. It is the very thing that will keep you and enable you to persevere and endure to the end. That is so good. That is such good news. So be encouraged and celebrate that the well comes to live in you. And trust in that. Trust in that as, you know, last week, Sunday morning, it was pouring down as we left church. I don't know how you made it to your car, but um, I got drenched. And I think everyone got drenched. And a lot of people who were with us last week were camping at Scott's Head or in town, and they are in tents. And they were standing there looking out into the weather, knowing they've got to go back to their tents. I don't know how they went. I can only imagine most of their tents got taken down and they had to just pack up and go home. I don't know, but like any day, you know, like after last week's sermon where I talked about the concept of um, being anchored between the two comings of Jesus, I needed to preach that sermon to myself all throughout the day because when we got back home, our, you know, our backyard was flooding and all the things we've been working towards was all coming undone and they're the moments where you feel like you panic and, and I, but I just needed to continually reassure myself, no, no, my security is in Jesus you know, that's where my confidence is going to be. This is really hard. Not as hard as what other people experience, but I felt like it was hard and discouraging. And things like that are just going to keep coming for us. And, 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 and in many ways, God is actually wanting you to understand your own fragility so that you would put your security in Him, not in anything else. But He's with us and He's going to stay with us. How encouraging is that? And of course, you know, finally, this is going to be good for others. If you've got the spring of living water in you, then that's going to impact what kind of a person you are like to relate to. Yeah? Like you'll have your personality for your whole life, but if, if Jesus is in you and shaping you and changing you, that ought to be good for those around you. Your family, your work colleagues, your neighbours, anyone who's trying to be interacting with you, this ought to be good for them that the spring of living water is bubbling up from within you because that is going to enable you to have the kind of security that can love them and help them and be focused on what they need. That's wonderful for the people around you. We won't do it perfectly, but this is good for everyone around us. Jesus says, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. And by that he means believe in me. My work on the cross. Deeply trust in that. And rivers of living water will flow from within you. I'm going to finish by praying a prayer. After I just give a, I don't know, I'll give you 30 seconds to pray your own prayer. Because you might already have in mind what you want to pray. And you might have in mind that yeah, you need to do business with God in a particular way. So I'll give you a bit of space to pray a prayer.
And then I'll pray a prayer and I'll kind of, I'll pray it slowly in case you want to repeat this prayer quietly in your own heart. Let me give you a moment. me pray. Jesus, I am thirsty and I know it. I've been attempting to quench that thirst in many ways. But today I hear your call to come to you and drink. So I come now to you, the living water. I put my trust and my belief in you. Live in me by your spirit. And help me to stay and keep drinking deeply. Amen.